0: Good morning, ghostly listeners. You've got Jake here. And today's episode, we're going to talk about haunted objects and remedies. So, with haunted objects, this is a big thing. You never know what you're going to bring home with you after that visit to the estate sale, yard sale, a trip to Goodwill. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) There could be some kind of ghostly bond with that possession. And we've heard about demon dolls as, you know, Annabelle, right? As the most common haunted object, but I would disagree with that. I would not call that a necessarily haunted object. That's some kind of cursed thing. We're talking about what people do to imbue their essence with one of their possessions. And that's what happens when, say, you go out and you bring the dolly home or you bring some antique jewelry, a wedding room home, and some crazy stuff starts to happen. Okay? Okay. So generally speaking, there's two kinds of haunted objects and I kind of alluded to this all, all earlier. The first one is, it's just energy absorbed from the previous owner and it, it gets attached to something. And that something could be anything from dolls, which we heard about with earlier with Annabelle, though like I said, Annabelle is more of a d- demonic thing. You got jewelry, bed frames and headboards, Uh, paintings, especially self-portraits, and mirrors. I will say mirrors is probably a topic for a different episode because mirrors operate by different rules, okay? But they can be pretty pretty common haunted objects. Clothing, especially gowns and wedding gowns. And chairs. I know, I'm like, chairs? Really? But you can think about the old man in the recliner, right? From, was it The Conjuring 2? That was kind of working out. As a haunted object right there. Now, the other side of the house, when it comes to haunted objects, is with cursed objects. So, that just means there's some kind of magical ritual. You know, it's the dark stuff. And in that case, it's someone is calling in this malevolent energy to attach itself. It's I wouldn't call it necessarily the spirit of some, of a human being. This is something from let's just say beyond the veil, that you have to be worried about. Now, when it comes to curses and breaking curses, that's another topic for another day. But really, at the end of the day, these objects that we talked about, they're just absorbing the essence or energy from the original owner. Rarely do you get a haunted object that's been passed down, say, five times over the years. Uh, It's usually never owner two, three, four, or five. Okay. It's the original owner. I think that's the best way to get the hook into it because it's usually a gift or something done very specifically for that person. And so it's the one that has the connection. Okay. Um, And, you know, in general, love is the energy that gets absorbed into this object. But I think everyone realizes that love has a dark side. We've seen the psycho movies, right? And psycho TV shows where, <laughs> I'm not talking basic instinct, I'm talking more fatal attraction, okay? Anyway, <laughs> but love can get twisted. And over time, you could imagine that if you have this essence of a person watching their loved ones live and die, live, love, and die, um, there's going to be some kind of corrupting influence on it, okay? And the other thing is... A lot of folks, especially in death, don't like to be disturbed. And this is why you always hear about when an object is removed, either from the estate or home and taken someplace new. That's when the crazy stuff happens. Um, You know, I wouldn't like to be woken up and taken across the country to a place. And with people, I don't know, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I want to go back. Right. There you go. Um, so, one of the things that you can do though is when you're picking up the object, and I would say this is more the case for an estate sale, is ask about the object's history. Now, usually when we're dealing with jewelry, especially wedding rings, probably that person died with it on. That's a giveaway, dead giveaway, haha. <laughs> that you might get some crazy stuff going out of it. The other thing is, say, it's a wedding gown and someone died on their wedding day. That's another giveaway right there. But generally speaking, in in other cases, especially with toys, it's not as common as you think for a toy to be a haunted object. The only way it really happens is if a child dies while they're still using the dolls or the teddy bears or toy trains or something like that. Because generally as we grow, You know, we become adults from childhood. We lose those connections with those toys. We might still have some kind of loving bond with it and stuff. It's more sentimental, but expect that to fade. And if that person dies, say in their thirties, you don't have to worry if they still have that teddy bear or doll. I wouldn't be too worried about it. But if the kid is like five years old and dies, then if you can get that from the history, then you're probably setting yourself up for a haunted object, okay? But there's a couple of things you can do. Number one is you, when you pick it up and you get the heebie-jeebies or bad vibes, put it down. Really, that is your own self-defense mechanism telling you that this may not be a good thing. So don't do it. The other thing is if you have a friend that's psychic or something like that, have them come and touch it. There's I don't know if you call it clairvoyant, but there's a gift called psychometry. And that lets you feel and see the history of an object. Um, and there's another one called retrocognition where you can see the past of something. So the psychic would say, pick up the wedding ring and start getting flashes of the life of that person. And then with psych- if they have psychometry with it, they might get the heebie-jeebies and say, this has got some bad juju on it. Let's just put it back and let's move on. Okay. So check that stuff out. But first things first is touch it yourself and see if you get heebie-jeebies if you get the heebie-jeebies don't buy it leave it where it is a lot of people don't do that a lot of times they'll buy stuff at auction uh or in estate sale or they just go to goodwill you know and they don't really think much about it and they bring something possessed home well i wouldn't really call it possessed but something with some sort of attachment with it now the big thing is taking it out of its home or original spot a lot of times things are dormant not much is going to happen right but when a new owner comes in that kind of disrupts the energy surrounding it and it kind of agitates it and that's the trigger that lets the spirit come out now haunted objects the haunting activity this is not gradual this is like zero to 60 in like half a second within two weeks which is actually a really short time for hauntings you're going to go from a nice peaceful home to full on poltergeist activity. Okay. But there's some clues that will come along the way. And number one is the haunted object will start moving and might go missing. But the other thing is other objects might move as well. Usually those other objects are going to have some kind of sentimental connection for you as the owner. And it could just be the new objects like, Hey, I'm the big wig here now. What is this crap? Um, so, That's something to look out for Next one is apparitions and shadow people. Usually it's shadow people. You're gonna get some manifestations. You're gonna see things moving in the background that you hadn't noticed before. In some cases, you might actually see the person that was the original owner. So that's another giveaway. This is a big one is nightmares. So a lot of times ghosts can use nightmares to communicate with people. Of course, it's very scary. Because, you know, they're dead. They're beyond the veil. And how they communicate with you may not be as kind as you think. Especially when they're making a big point like, put me back where I was. You know what I'm saying? they got to get your attention. And so nightmares will become more frequent. I would say when you get to three or more a week, that's when you probably have the biggest clue you've got something. Because people do have nightmares. A lot of it is anxiety, worry, um, they might be angry at someone. This is in their personal life. And you can just have nightmares. It's just the frequency that's more concerning. Next is, I'll call it bad luck, but it could be lots of other things too. It's just minor injuries around the home, like you keep cutting your hand when you're making dinner. It could be this. This is a big clue. It comes with plumbing or electrical problems when you start getting the knocks in the pipes, depending on how often they are. But electrical problems are the big one. You think something has a short circuit? The power box keeps popping. Those are clues you might have a haunted object, especially if it's pretty abrupt. And then the other big one is illnesses, and it could be like you feel like you perpetually have a cold or the flu probably the closest is food poisoning and that is you know both ends are going crazy and it's your body's reaction to the haunted object and the craziness that's ensuing but again this all is a pretty rapid onset it takes about two weeks from when it comes home to when the activity really starts going bonkers. Now, if you know anything about poltergeists, because this is gonna look like a poltergeist haunting, um, poltergeists build, and it can take months before it gets serious. Haunted objects, it's quick, okay? Now, to get rid of your haunted object, that's a big thing, is there's about five ways to do it. And number one is spiritual cleansing. Uh, You can use a salt cleansing, return it to its original place, which is what I would say do, bury in a graveyard or cemetery, and then burning it. Um, Burning it's a whole special case, so we'll step back to that one. But with spiritual cleansing, there's a few gotchas with that one. Number one is just because you invoke the name of Jesus doesn't mean you're going to clear the spirit. Christianity only works with Christianity, and I would argue Catholics. Catholic rights will not go with necessarily Protestant rights. The other thing is, and I've had cases, <laughs> I've had a couple of cases with this one. Uh, there was a haunted object that was owned by a Jewish person. When the Catholic priest came in, it just made shit go crazy. And that's because... You know, if you're Jewish, you don't necessarily have the same belief systems as Catholics, okay? And that can anger the spirit that is attached to whatever object is. So think about that. I had a case in Arizona. It was a Native American Navajo a spirit that was attached to an object. Of course, they keep bringing in the Catholic priests. Things get worse. And you can imagine that if you are a Native American Navajo that probably died in the early 1800s, um and you're bringing in Jesus Christ to the mix with all these white people that were killing your tribe, do you think that's going to go over well? Okay. So, make sure the spiritual systems match. Otherwise, things will just escalate. Next one, and this is the salt cleansing thing. Let's just, let me put an asterisk on that, okay? With salt cleansings, it's really just neutralizing the object. And... Salt has a purifying thing. I'd say if you're going to go this route, go the sea salt route versus, you know, Morton's table salt, okay? (laughs) But go that route and salt has a very good way of kind of neutralizing that energy and it's good for you to do some of the other things. Like if you're going to do spiritual cleansing or take it back to its original place, bury it or burn it, put the salt on it, knocks it out so you can get it out of the house. It is not a long-term solution, okay? Number three is return it to its original place. You know, if you got it from Goodwill, you can take it back. They'll probably do it. That might neutralize it right there. I know everyone's like, oh, no, the spirit will start running around and causing havoc with everyone in the store. If that was the case, they, the Goodwill place would have gotten rid of it long before that. So something there being in that neutral area is probably a good thing i know it doesn't stop other people from picking it up and taking it home and having all the bad experiences you have the reality is with haunted objects it doesn't happen to everyone and we're not really sure why that is um but if you got it from a estate sale or you got it from um friends of the family or something like that i would say take it back if it's Really something interesting from antiquity. Maybe there's a museum that would like it. Like I said, there's something about these neutral environments, not necessarily a home. They're really good for calming things down with haunted objects. Next is you can bury it in a graveyard or a cemetery. Um, This is another one I think you have to asterisk because I still think the spiritual systems must match. I know cemeteries are pretty neutral in general, a resting place for the dead, right? Graveyards are attached to churches. So I would say it might be better suited if you don't know the background of the object for it to go in a cemetery, but you want to bury it. And that just means dig a hole at least three feet deep, put it in, you know, bury it, you know, do a little something to say that you'd like the spirit to move on those types of things like you're actually burying it i wouldn't pick a religious background or religious rites with it because if you don't if you're not sure what that background is of the of the original owner and the spirit that might be haunting it that might be a consideration you take but burying it is a really good way to stop that haunted object activity right then and there and lastly is burn it okay this is for the pros And here's why. When you destroy something, it can really anger spirit, duh. (laughs) And that could cause a lot of havoc for you wherever you're going to burn it. If it's in your backyard or you go out to a quarry, you know, there's a special pit for it. That spirit is not going to like this very much. Um, and you hear about the attachments and stuff jumping onto people, that's a really tough thing to do because essentially you'd have to allow the spirit to inhabit your body. Um, and so there's some protective measures you can take. I would say get out the onyx and obsidian. These two stones are really great at creating a barrier and stopping a spirit from attaching to you. Uh, those stones are have been used to protect people on ghost hunts, Uh, you know ward off things from the home so if you're going to go that route i would say make sure you're wearing an onyx and obsidian bracelet at least like one stone i wouldn't be too sure it's going to do the case but if you got a good 10 or a dozen that's probably going to be a strong enough barrier and the ghost has nothing to do but leave at that point and usually that means it dissipates uh and goes back beyond the veil but again, all speculation because it's, we can't even prove ghosts exist, right? So how can we tell them the malevolent spirit is actually going to go back, you know, open up the portal and zip through it, right? So grain of, th- grain of salt, but, you know, I would say when you get home, do all the spiritual cleansing stuff <laughs> and put out the wards that'll keep the spirits away. That reminds me, I'll do a podcast on eight ways to clear your home of ghosts and spirits as the next podcast. Um, and so that's really how you would deal with a haunted object there's two other classes that uh, of haunted objects we can talk about on a later day those would be fetters and anchors uh, fetters are the ones where we talk about ghosts possessing people that's the fetter and then you got the anchor which just is kind of a lure that draws a spirit back the original owner i wouldn't say it's a harmful haunting or scary haunting it's you know anchors are pretty manageable And that is a podcast for another day. So thank you for listening, ghostly listeners. And happy October.